Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 362. My name is Brando. Coming up in just a moment, making his third appearance on the podcast, Megadeth frontman Dave Mustaine talking about his upcoming album, their upcoming album, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. That's going to be coming out September 2nd. And then after that, for Appetite for Discovery, we're going to be talking to Guitar Phenom, Andy Wood, as he presents his guitar experience taking place in Tennessee. What's that all about? So stick around. But first, the great Dave Mustaine. How are you, sir? Good morning. This handsome guy. (laughs) I I try. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. I'm not sure if you remember because you do so many interviews. Uh, We've spoken a couple times before. Uh, Last year, actually it was two years ago, so I got to thank you in, in a bit. Uh, for a bit you asked because it was on my birthday and you were happy it was my birthday and you asked if I got laid that day and I kind of sheepish, sheepishly answered like I, I couldn't I couldn't answer You're like do you have a girlfriend do you have a wife well, yeah soon I'll have a wife well since then she's become my wife so thank okay. you so yeah I'd like yeah. To, I'd like to think that Dave Mustaine gave me a, a little wedding blessing before it happened oh yeah come on do you have any, uh, before we get into your new album, do you have any advice, by the way? Like, I want to get wedding advice from Dave Mustaine. Sure. What are you, what, what are you talking about? Like, uh, what's, what leads to a long and happy marriage? I mean, I, can you talk about, like, is that a thing? Is, is that something I can even aspire to? Because you can compare that to a band, I guess. Like, what's the best way to keep a good relationship going for so many years? Uh, well, um, you know, Alice Cooper is my godfather and he and I uh, are one of the few people I know that have had uh, a marriage that's lasted over 30 years. And um, one of the things that that I learned early on was to, um, you know, depending on on uh, what th- th- this is a really important one. Um, whenever you get yourself into uh, a bind, you know, uh, you're going to want to go to your wife and, and say, you know what, honey, I've been thinking and you're probably right. And I'm going to try harder next time. And you know what she's going to hear? He loves me. He, he respects me. He recognizes that he's imperfect and he's going to try harder. And I love him. Now, the other thing that's important to do, too, is at night when you go to sleep, no matter what, bro, no matter what, you have to say I love you and kiss them goodnight, even if you want to put the pillow over their face. (laughs) Um, You have to say that because if the first night you go to sleep and you don't say I love you to your wife, she will remember Look at that. And we do that every single night. So thank you, Dave Mustaine. Wow. Never thought I would get marriage advice and good one. A good, a good advice from, from yeah. Dave. Uh, that being said, obviously the other successful relationship you've had is with Megadeth. 
16th album coming out, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead, coming out uh, September 2nd. Now, last time we spoke, you were working on a book, so I guess I want to know, when did this idea for a new album come about, and where do you start? Does it start from a song? Does it start with a concept? Does it start with music, lyrics? Like, how do you first attack a new album? Well, it, there is no set formula for this. It depends, you know, with Kiko and Dirk writing music for Megadeth now. It's been a, a breath of fresh air to have um, songwriting uh, approaches from other band members now that uh, is similar to Megadeth music instead of getting music that wasn't Megadeth music and having to try and make that work. Um, and it doesn't, you know, um, my whole thing was trying to have uh, a con congenial uh, workplace uh, environment for everybody and to listen to their ideas. But, you know, what what we did now was um, we we uh, get together and, and do some pre-production, listening to riffs <laughs> and then uh, and songs, they just start coming together kind of like Legos, uh, you know, we figure out uh, there's only so many pieces to a song. There are verses and choruses. There are pre-choruses and there's um, bridges. There's middle sections. There's a lead section. And, and uh, usually the lead section will be something similar to the chorus or similar to uh, the verse. It, it might be the verse plus a little something or the verse simplified a little bit. And um, I, I found that like in, in symphony, uh, the uh, lead section was uh, um, pretty much like, like one of the other riffs in the song. Okay. So, so there's no real uh, way that we stack these things together. Okay. I guess, cause I wanted to know, cause the music is not just because it's the riffs, it's your voice. Well, I've been a Megadeth fan since I can remember, but it's kind of the message sometimes too. So I was wondering if there was a message that came first or, I mean, if it doesn't, what's the message of this album? Like, is there a message that you still want to get out uh, 16 albums in or is it just, you know, rock out or do you have something that you want the, the listeners to take it out from, from listening to this? Well, uh, I would love for the audience to take something away from uh, this um, record, listening to it and, and being enlightened or being, uh, you know, filled with uh, ear joy, you know, so that they uh, are stoked because, you know, uh, you working with headphones on, you know how much headphones are, um, you know, true to form with what we're listening to. And, and I mix on headphones. So I like that clarity and separation. You know, not everybody's going to have a $40,000 set of speakers for them to listen to their new Megadeth record on. So you've got to listen on all kinds of different systems uh, to you know find out what works these guys did really good and I'm excited to see what uh, is going to happen on the next record we're not quite ready to start doing pre-production for the next record yet but uh, I can tell you uh, one thing is for sure uh, whatever we do start working whenever that is uh, it's going to be pretty exciting that's amazing that you're already thinking about the next record that's what's so great about me I'm, uh, being a Megadeth man 
Like it's just there's always something on the horizon that we can't wait. But yeah. before we, I, I let you go, because I know you have a, a very busy morning, I want to yeah. take a, a few steps back. You may remember from coming on the podcast, or you can see behind me the the Guns and Roses theme I have on Appetite for Distortion. So I kind of want to flash back, if you can remember, to 1988, the Donington Festival. I, I know it's it's, it's infamous. But I want to know if there's anything, because very uh, there are some very famous photos of you and Axel and Slash and Lars and hanging out backstage. So I'm wondering if you have any positive things to recall about that that festival, which now we know turned not so positive. But anything that we can take away um, from that that weekend, if you can remember. Yeah, you know uh, the uh, Woodstock weekend was tragic. You know the uh, the, uh, the stuff that. Uh, uh, Mr. Durst had done and mm-hmm. uh, you know the fact that water there had um, gone from a couple bucks the first day uh, until uh, the, the last day where everything was $12 a bottle yeah I watched that documentary terrible terrible the way they treated uh, the kids I, I watched that documentary Woodstock 99 the way they treated the kids was terrible yeah I, I didn't see that oh. but I, you know, I do know that, um, you know, we were at one end of the uh, airport and um, those guys were at the other end and, and we could see the smoke. We knew something was wrong and, and we could tell that it, it looked kind of like, you know, what I would imagine kind of um, I, 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 it looked like um, marching like an army marching towards us slowly Hmm. and um it seemed to me that people were pissed and they just said fuck it let's go to the megadeth side because i think we were the very last band and we closed the whole concert if i remember right and this is this is Donington you're, you're talking about, or, or Woodstock? Oh, I thought you said Woodstock. Oh, okay. No, all good. I, I like the Woodstock answer. You know what? Because that's that's topical, so I'll yeah, take it. I'm so sorry, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> did, you say, did you say Donington? I did, but that's okay. It's okay. I like I liked Woodstock. Uh, well, I was probably going to ask you that if I had more time. So that's more topical. No worries. Dang it! Dang it! Dang it! Dang it! <laughs> if we, I may get you, because I know you got to run. If I get you on a fourth time, we can talk about Donington. Huh? If I get you on a fourth time, because I know you have another station coming up, I can we can talk about Donington then. But I'm happy with the Woodstock answer. Okay, dang it. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. I can't wait for this new album. You, you still rule. Uh, I'm so happy that you seem to be doing really well, and, and your health uh, seems to be doing well. And I can't wait to see you out on the road, Dave. Thank you, bud. I appreciate that. You got it. Take care. You too, pal. <laughs> it's so funny. I just knew I was like, he's talking, and I, was, I thought he was going to give this, you know, big uh, answer of just comparing Woodstock to Donington, and he just keeps going on. I'm like, I'm like that's Woodstock because I I just watched the the Woodstock '99 documentary, and actually my wife just watched it. She's like, she was mad at me. She's like, you didn't wait for me to watch it. I told you I was going to watch it. You said no. She didn't remember. So now that's stock for me for when I forget something. Anyway, uh, so I watched it twice. So that's cool. You know what? I, I probably should have asked about Woodstock, so I'm glad he responded to, to, to that anyway. And there was, if you did watch the Woodstock 99 doc, there was a Guns N' Roses reference because there was one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why that crowd went 
crazy the way that they did and angry was that there were rumors of another band coming out on after the the Red Hot Chili Peppers closing the weekend. And there were one kid was like, I think Guns N' Roses is going to reunite. They didn't. <laughs> they wouldn't for just a few more years. Um, but and you know what? Thankfully, they didn't. Imagine that. Imagine Guns N' Roses at Woodstock 99. They probably would have been blamed for the fire somehow, right? Not Fred Durst. It would have been on on, uh, on Axl Rose. But very cool. I uh, wish I could talk to Dave longer, of course. Um, hopefully another time on Zoom. But this one was over the phone. Oh, doesn't matter. I can talk to Dave Mustaine three times on this podcast. And if you missed the first time, it's so funny. Like, I have no issues with people making mistakes as I make them all the time. So who cares that he was talking about Woodstock instead of Donington? Because remember the first time I spoke to Dave, I spoke to Dave and I wasn't sure how to phrase, do you respect slash or do you, you know, I was trying to look for the right adjective. Do you, how do you, how do you look at him as a, you know, compadre, a counterpart, a friend. And I got stuck on the word idolize. Remember that? Now I know you're you're good friends with Slash. Is it true that he once tried out for for Megadeth because of the friendship and you know idolizing his work? Idolize him? Is that what you said? I idolize Slash. Well, not idolize that you're friends with and admire his work. Uh, yes, we're, we're most definitely friends. Oh man, and to think that I've gotten Dave on twice. After that, and if you remember last time, which I alluded to in the beginning, which is quite funny, and I, I couldn't help it because it's been on my mind, and I posted it on social media if you missed it. So yeah, two years ago, September eighth, my birthday, twenty twenty, uh, Dave is signing copies of his Rust and Peace book, and I, I'm always excited to talk to him, as you can hear now. But it was my birthday, and I'm like, oh, this is great, I get to talk to Dave Mustaine on my birthday. And he asks, well. This is what he, he said in my response. It's your birthday today? It is. Holy cow. Are you, are you married? Um, let's just say soon, soonish. You got a girlfriend? I do. Are you going to get laid today? Uh, no comment that may or may not have happened. It's your birthday and you're not going to get, uh, you know, old in, out, in, out, you know? Oh, no, it, it, it happened this morning before oh, I... Oh, <laughs> early riser. Afternoon delight. Okay, remember that song, that horrible song? So really cool. I get to speak with Dave Mustaine three times. Wow, look what can happen on this podcast, Appetite for Distortion. And the reason we can get people like Dave Mustaine is because of you, the listener, that helps get the word out about Appetite for Distortion, that we have a name that is... Put up on all these different, you know, I got to think like Blabbermouth and Ultimate Guitar and Loudwire, especially for picking up and writing articles about Pyro Pete and his story about Lars, <laughs> well, kind of his fault with the uh, the pyrotechnics. Um, but this interview uh, that while the Dave Mustaine interview is uh, is done, this one, uh, the episode is not over yet. So what, we're going to talk to uh, for Appetite for Discovery, not a band. But we're going to discover this this event, and I think it's really cool because it, this is a, a friend of Mark Tremonti who, who, you know, is big into charity events. So you know what, this is a good opportunity for me to to do so and to talk to somebody cool and and perhaps you know there are a lot of you that travel that may not live in Tennessee. So uh, this he's a musician, guitar phenom Andy Wood. And this is the third annual Woodshed Guitar Experience taking place August 25th 
through the 28th. So if you want to visit, so there's going to be a lot of guitarists down there at this huge event. So we're going to talk to Andy Wood about this now, an appetite for discovery. Rather than just throwing a bunch of songs together that we think are fun, we're going over it, you know, with a fine-tooth comb and just working on everything to try. That's the goal. Very appetite. For discovery. We go from Megadeth to, well, I don't know, Andy Wood. You, you don't seem, there's no death about you. You seem like a happy guy. Pretty happy dude. <laughs> Pretty happy dude. You catch me online in the correct video game. Maybe I can get a little agitated, but that's about it. Fair enough. So Appetite for Discovery, those who know Appetite for Distortion, we do this with, with bands, artists, musicians, events that we want to discover that we may not know. So um, you were brought to my attention. I mean, people might know your, your name. You've been on tour with Scott Stapp and Roscoe Flats and Sebastian Bach. I mean, you're virtuoso, if I can use that that word. Um, but you have this really cool events because my listeners were, they're all over. They travel obviously with guns N' roses, you know, different countries. So just because I'm not in Tennessee, maybe someone's not in Tennessee. Uh, can you tell us about this event and, and yeah, what, like how did it start? Yeah. Take us back. Yeah. Long, long story short, the event is uh, a passion project of mine. The name of the event is the woodshed guitar experience. Uh, long story short, it's four days and three nights, uh, very VIP. Uh, mm. we limit it to a hundred people. Uh, within that we bring in some of the greatest guitar players on the planet. Uh, usually six to eight players a year. This is our third year of doing it and ranging across all genres. For those that are familiar with what I do, uh, it's not, really any one genre i i pull a lot of influences from rock and shred players and i pull a lot of influences from jazz and bluegrass and and all over the board i mean i think the closest thing that i get compared to a lot is like the dixie dregs and steve morris and that kind of thing um but again it's very eclectic type of thing so i wanted the artist roster every year when we bring in players to to echo that and for example we've had joe bonamassa we've had robin ford uh, this year, we've got Tosin Abasi, Guthrie Trapp, Brent Mason, Mark Letary from Snarky Puppy and Wolfpeck. So it's the best of funk. It's the, you know, Tosin's the top of the game with the extended range modern metal thing. And then some of the greatest country guitar players on the planet with like Greg Cock and Brent Mason and Guthrie Trapp. And so it's real. we've had Andy Timmons. We got Nick Johnston this year. So it's really uh, across the board. Tom Quell's coming in this year. Very prolific fusion player from England and in the course of the four days like I said with it being uh, with us building it around the idea of only a hundred people there uh, you don't have to like hustle and try to get to talk to your artist because you can have you know a bourbon with Tosin as you look across a lakefront property and talk about scales and tapping and amps and neural dsps till your heart's content right on. and then we have we have all the all the lessons you would imagine all of the guitar lessons throughout the weekend and then every night one of the things we do that's a little different from other events like this is we actually have full concerts so we fly a line array full production and it's just for the people there and so it's 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 a really special like i said it's a passion project it's something that i built that i would have sold a kidney to go to when i was 20 years old <laughs> So it's really like a special VIP unique 
um, it's like a fantasy camp in a way. Is that the way to put it? Yeah. And everything's included with the emission from your lodging to your alcohol, to your food and everything, lessons. We do giveaways. We've partnered with some fabulous manufacturers, Paul Reed Smith Guitars, Sir Guitars, uh, Universal Audio, and the giveaways are incredible. I mean, like, not to spoil too much, but last year we gave away a PRS guitar. So it's like, like the stuff we give away is really, really awesome. So. Right on. So let me get a little bit of, of your history because sure. this is a lot of this is a lot to put together, I'm sure. I mean, you um, you've played with a lot of people, you have a lot of friends, but still to coordinate all this for an entire weekend, you yeah. know, it's funny. I was just, by the way, I don't know if you can hear the, the, the lawnmower going right now because I'm in Queens, right? This is just my, you, you seem to have a nice have home lawns studio. lawns in Queens? That blows my mind. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> they're not very nice lawns. The outside, they're mowing the outside. I don't know. They're, they're, they're mowing, mowing the sidewalk again. They're mowing a rat outside. That's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, by the way, where are you located? I, I, I am in Tennessee. Okay, you are in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Tennessee. I got a. I'm lucky. I married a uh, a traveler. My wife likes to go places because I'm a homebody. So I'll I'll, I'll get down to Tennessee. Uh, yeah. eventually. But to put this together, because I was just talking to Dave Mustaine about Woodstock, and that's Woodstock '99, and and there's. I mean, that's how many years ago that was, and there was issues putting a weekend together. So uh, was this something maybe you always looked, wanted to do growing up, or were you just happy being well, a guitar player, or you, you wanted to be like kind of a, a festival organizer in a way? Never intended on putting something like this together. Never. I uh, very hashtag blessed, whatever you want to call that. Um, great, great career as a sideman for many years. And throughout that, I would make my own albums on the side. I don't live under the delusion that instrumental guitar records are, you know, we're, we're lucky to make a record that goes plywood, you know, and that's even, <laughs> the, biggest, even the biggest guys in the game. And, and, and that's, you know, it, it's an amazing uh, genre, really, because uh, fans of guitar will go see Polyphia, and then they'll turn around and go see Snarky Puppy or Fearless Flyers. Like, you see what I'm saying? It's like there's a lot less boundaries on it. And I, I think that's the nature of the Internet and and what communication has brought to music in general. So for me, I was always happy making my instrumental records on the side and, you know, doing the occasional gig with Paul Gilbert or whatever. You know, it was like, yeah, this is like fun. And then all of a sudden this pandemic thing happened and we're all at home. And uh, it kind of shifts the landscape. So I wanted, you know, when it got to a point, this is our third year, like I said. So this is our first year not doing it with full pandemic restrictions. And uh, it was a thing where I wanted to have an event, wanted it to be safe and distanced and all that kind of stuff. And uh, but I also wanted to have an event that we could do where we could have some sort of musical interaction, you know. And the VIP layout of it really worked. The property's gigantic. We have four different satellite stages and then one giant stage that's in a huge 8,000-square-foot kind of hangar hmm. kind of thing. So we, we were able to do it and pull it off 
distanced and safe. Did it the first year, like I said, with Joe, and the second year with Robin. And then, uh, yeah, it was never something that I set out in my life to be like, I'm going to put on this guitar event. Ironically, I grew up, I didn't start playing electric guitar until I was about 18. So growing up playing a lot of bluegrass, like mandolin's my main instrument, and and, uh, bluegrass festivals and Americana festivals, folk festivals, they encourage a lot of jamming. Like you go to any festival out in the parking lot, people are jamming. And so that's something that stayed with me throughout my life. I always, no matter if I was on tour or not, I'd try to find some smoky little dive bar to go in and play some tunes with the local house. I just, I love, I love the, the camaraderie and sure. the community of playing music. Like that is just fun for me. Have a, have a beer and play some tunes. You know, if you're in front of 30,000 people at the MGM grand, great. If you're in front of eight people at a dive bar in the middle of, Wisconsin, great. You know, it's like just just music. So the one thing that I brought with me from that aspect of my life into this post-pandemic world of this kind of pseudo-festival VIP event that I'm putting on is uh, the idea of camaraderie, community, pulling a lot of that from things like, like what you guys do with podcasts, video game guys, like watching streamers, they build these communities. And then once a year, they'll have these big events like uh, guardian con or whatever, sure, you know, sure. blizzard con or whatever. And they have this, like everybody comes and meets up and does the thing. So a lot of that was really the, the basis for it. it wasn't a business model. You know, if that makes sense, the basis for it was, how do we pull in the greatest guitar players that I can pick up a phone and call? And they're the best on the planet. Like I said, I mean, you, you talk about extended range guitar, it's Tosin Abasi. You talk about blues, it's Joe Bonamassa. Right. You talk about legendary icon players, it's Robin Ford. I'm not calling guys that aren't, <laughs> uh, right. uh, they don't have a pedigree, so to speak, right? I got right? So like we're calling the guys and uh, it's, it's just a great excuse to give people who Never get that behind the scenes kind of experience. One of the things that I say is we're lucky, the players, when we go do a gig and we get to see each other uh, backstage, we're hanging, we're swapping licks, we're talking about new pedals or amps. And we have this this private life that's really amazing that, that is reserved just for people backstage. And so I thought, how cool would it be? to have the guy who doesn't play music for a living to get to experience that. Right. Obviously you can't do that with a thousand people event or a 2000 people event or something like that. And I, I obviously being in the pop country scene, I've seen where, you know, to get a VIP event with Kenny Chesney is free 800 bucks or whatever. And you can get 20, minutes with him, yeah. right? Like GNR, you know, you can buy VIP experiences and they're super high price. Point. And you don't meet the band in that you case. You don't get the hang. So, I was like, well, what if we did a hundred people first come first serve and you get four days sure. of waking, waking up, eating breakfast, jamming, uh, you get lessons throughout the day, you get, a, there's a rig builder uh, for those that are li- listening that, that don't understand what I'm talking about bands like GNR bands like the Foo Fighters or pop country bands, Brantley Gilbert, Five Finger, whoever, right? Whoever. They use companies like Dave Friedman's company in L.A. or XTS in Nashville, and they build their rigs for them. They put them in the rack cases, wire everything up, do the whole deal. We've got XTS coming to the camp to teach campers how to improve their sounds on their pedal boards. So it's a full encompassing every aspect of what it is 
that we do that we get to see all the time, but it's like a window into that aspect of, of life. And, and there's been some really crazy, crazy, holy shit that that just happened moments. Like Joe Bonamassa is known for playing these vintage 1959 Les Pauls that are three, four hundred thousand dollars a swing. Mm-hmm. He comes into the camp and he lets every camper play his Les Paul through his dumbbell. Mm-hmm. Like, where else can that happen? Right. Robin Ford let every camper play through Dumble Number Two. For those who don't know what a Dumble is, very expensive amp uh, made by a guy named Alexander Dumble. They range from forty to eighty grand, and then most of them been bought up by guys like John Mayer and stuff. Well, Robin has Dumble Number Two, and that's the amp he used with Miles Davis and made "Talk to Your Daughter" and all this stuff. He let every camper play through it, hmm. and it's just like those are those kind of moments that we're trying to bring to life and like i said we don't want anybody to have to worry about anything we want it to be a vacation like a fantasy camp the property sits on a lakefront we got boating and jet skis and all that kind of stuff we're bringing in a chef you don't worry about a bar tab it's like a cruise it's a one-stop shop here's click here by now you're in wow yeah i mean is there anything because um I, i i'm already using my vacation days is there anything uh if somebody can't make it down and uh at least this year, because it sounds like there's going to be a, a fourth year. By the way, my my cat Blackie Clawless is meowing because my Black Clawless. I like you that. like that. You like that. Um, is there anything like if you go to andywoodmusic.com or if you check out the event page, is there anything that you can like if you can't make it? Is there, are there raffles or is there anything that we can do if we're not going to be physically there? Yeah, so we're actually looking at how the model moves forward. Uh, you know, it's a work in progress. This this all started with two years ago. We're like, hey, let's do this one event. And it was a home run. So we're like, well, let's do it again. And then it went well. And now it's like, are we going to keep doing this? Mm-hmm. So now we're in that phase of like, what does it look like throughout the year? What does it look like for people that don't get to come? So we're actually, you know, getting the camera rigs and all that kind of stuff set and 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 putting together package options like what does it look like from a downloadable aspect i guess is really the way the way that moves forward and that's still being in discussions almost every day we're we're like what what is it that we can offer the general public that doesn't devalue the experience for those that are there Hmm. you know yeah but obviously you can't film four days and put it online it just wouldn't it wouldn't be engaging so we're like what does that look like moving forward is it you know so these are all topics that that evolve daily and it's exciting because it's a landscape that i don't really ever considered myself living in because i'm a guy that makes records you know it's like i make instrumental records and i go tour with artists but this thing has uh it's been so rewarding to watch guys light up when they get to play so-and-so's guitar or when so-and-so teaches them that lick that they've been struggling with. Like, oh, no, man, don't do it with this finger. Move this one here. And then they can do the lick. It's just you just see that like, yes, that's what I was looking for. And then the rest of the weekend, they're just having a blast. And then, man, you know, one of the most fun things is like after the concerts every night, it's a free-for-all jam with all the campers. And Mark Letary is this world-renowned Grammy-nominated guitarist. And he's playing bass for campers on, like, Motley Crue and Metallica songs. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, like, Brent Mason is singing Superstition with guys that wanted to jam with him. It's like, and that goes until 
everybody goes to bed. Like it's mm. just a freaking party. Like if you've ever been to a NAM and you've been to some of those artist concerts that happen in the private rooms and then they kind of evolve into barroom jams later that evening. That's what this thing is, except it's just uh, not as crowded and is expensive. Right. There's no $28 beers at our events. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> you know. Uh, let me ask, because, you know, we're talking about the instrumental guitarists and, yeah, Joe Badamasa and, and um, Satriani and Steve Vai, yeah. and, but this being a, a GNR podcast, because I had never just gone to go see a guitarist play. Right. It's just, it's just okay. I always had been a band guy until... Buckethead. I saw Buckethead a few years ago, and I'm actually going to go see him in two weeks again with his band Praxis uh, here in New York City. Yeah. So I'm just curious. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever met Buckethead, but just your opinion on someone like that. I mean, he has oh, I, this I, gimmick, I, but I mean, he doesn't need it. I love what he does. One of my favorite things that he ever did was uh, Colonel Claypool's Bucket of Bernie Brains. <laughs> a really deep cut album. It was a blue album with an eyeball on the cover. And it was all these guys, you know, Les Claypool and 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 Bernie and and and, and obviously Bucket and stuff. Uh, really, really great avant-garde. Uh, a lot of whimsical Zappa-esque things in there, but mm-hmm. a, a ferocious amount of technical firepower. Being a GM&R podcast and uh, the overlap, one of my friends is Ron Thal. I think mm-hmm. our listeners know him as Bumblefoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and I are doing the uh, Shiprock event, and we always have a good time talking with each other. We've been on podcasts and things together. We kind of come from the same walk of life. We're instrumental guitar guys, but we end up playing, you know, you know, with, with various artists or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I think about Buckethead, I, I love what he does because it's because nobody else does anything like it. And I think he paved the way for, um, I, I don't think it's, I'm probably stepping out of line and viewers and comments. I'm about to set the comment section on fire by saying this, but I think it's like, he's like a really nice pioneer for artists like John five to do what they do mm-hmm. because John five does so much visual art. Like it really is. He comes out with the makeup and the capes and the horror movie sixties carnival background thing. I think when you look at people don't, don't realize how long bucket's been around too. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. bucket has been doing the thing for a long time. He was coming out with puppet heads and nunchucks mm-hmm. dude in like the early nineties. You know what I'm saying? Like he's been doing the thing for a long time. And I think without a guy like, that you don't have that next evolution of the avant-garde whimsical horror thing you know and then i think it goes without saying any of the guys we're talking about are freak show players like these guys are not hanging their hat on gimmicks and sticks i think it's just another level to their art and i compare it to zappa you know it's like true it's like you could sit any of those guys in a room and they're gonna melt face i think it's just a matter of they bring a visual aspect which is awesome and i mean i think that's so important you mentioned steve vine satriani like you can see joe's bald head and that chrome guitar the moment somebody says the word satriani you can Mm. see the lights and the the craziness the three neck heart guitar when somebody says steve vine i mean like for in my mind he's always perpetually jack butler you know like from from crossroads and he's got the cape and the fans and everything I i think that is one of the things that you cannot get from a YouTube video, you know, sure, and that's sure. the magic of playing live. And I love what those guys do. 
I know. I, I can't wait to see Buckethead again. I mean, it's just, uh, you're right, because it's kind of DIY visuals. There's not a lot of production to it, but it's that main level where if it, that, that didn't exist, you're right. Maybe a John 5 couldn't exist or wouldn't push the envelope when you see Buckethead, you know, live and doing those monsters. And yeah, I mean, because I was introduced to him through Guns N' Roses. I'm like, he's handing out toys and like he's doing like, what is this? And I've got nunchucks. What's happening? I've been a fan ever since, you know, it's and that's coming from I'm not one of those guys. I was like, I wasn't just Slash or nobody. I was like, oh, wow, a a new a new favorite, a new favorite. Um, Let me ask with your maybe perhaps your six. I don't know if you have a six degrees of GNR Bacon other than Bubblefoot. Which is uh like do you have one? I guess like have you met any of the other um, extended family of GNR? Perhaps feel good moment. Uh, feel good moment was uh, becoming friends with Miles Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a one degree. Um, I actually when I was out with Sebastian, we were going on right before Slash when he did his his uh, R R and R and R R and F and R whatever the the purple record with the skull on it. Okay. Um, another one feel good moment during the pandemic. I got a lovely well-written uh, Instagram from uh, Mr. Richard Fortas. Mm. And uh, he's telling me how much he liked my playing and I said, "Brother, I said I've seen you a handful of times with GNR, killer player. You know, I love the fact that he plays the big Falcons and and people sleep on how deep his chops go. Mm. Like people aren't aware just how nasty of a player he is. So if you're listening to this, man, much love to you. And yeah, that's that you know, being a cat that's coming up in the game, it's like Dude, we get an email from guys like that or Neil Sean or whoever. It it, it feels good. Like mm-hmm. it's not going to no, you know, it's like you get that, that it's we seek that level of approval from the guys that laid laid the tracks, you know. It's like I anybody that says they don't probably lying to themselves a little bit, you know, because we go out and play for people if if you if you're making your art for yourself, then you don't make albums and you don't go tour live. But if you the moment you play your art for other people, you're doing it for other people. Yeah, I, I hear that too. It always makes me feel good when there's, uh, you know, because I've been in radio, it may not look like it or seem like it, but 20 years, including college. But I've always been with somebody who likes um, hearing the war stories from people above me, you know, people in their 60s and 70s still doing it. And when I get compliments from them, it means the world. It really means yeah. the world uh, to me. It so does. Uh, thank you, Andy. I mean, this was really cool to, to meet you. I, even though I can't play guitar, I mean, I can barely play the triangle. I still hope to make one of these events just to be there. <laughs> Dude, you'd love it. You'd love it, man, for sure. Oh, man. So just um, a pleasure. So is there a best or is it just Andy Wood Music or what's the best site with people if they want to okay, take if anybody's in, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If anybody's interested in the event, it's woodshedguitarexperience.com. Okay. And if anybody's interested in my music, maybe you've not heard of what I do, that's all at andywoodmusic.com. And then that's, I'm the Andy Wood Music on all the social medias. So, oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Andy. I really appreciate your time today. Cheers, brother. Thanks for having me. You got it. Very cool to meet Andy, friend of Mark Tremonti. And, you know, he mentioned that he kind of became friendly with, with Miles Kennedy. So, uh, one of my radio contacts that got me the Miles interview that got me the Mark Tremonti interview. He's like, hey, why don't you talk to this Andy Wood guy? I think you'll like him. And he was right. And you can probably hear Blackie Clawless is still meowing in the background wanting tuna fish. Uh, I'm hoping to get Blackie Lawless in October. 
hoping, hoping, hoping. We shall see. You never know with this podcast. I mean, I never expected to get Dave Mustaine on once, let alone three times. So what is to come on the podcast except for maybe Blackie Lawless? Well, of course, when Guns N' Roses starts touring again, I want you to come on the podcast to give your review. So uh, hit me up on social media. That's how the conversation continues in between the broadcast, Facebook, uh, TikTok, not on TikTok. Oh, my God. I got to make a TikTok for my cats, I think, as I'm staring at them. Right? Isn't that how people go famous just by posting cats? I think that's what I need to do instead of just talking about GNR all the time. Maybe cats and GNR. We'll see. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, or maybe you know what? I need I need to hire like a millennial intern. Maybe maybe I'll I'll, I'll hire you uh, for college credit <laughs> if you help me do a TikTok. Uh, that slowly died down, by the way. The the quote unquote viral TikTok about wanting to cancel Metallica. But it was very cool to see my two-year-old Roberta Freeman interview get fresh looks because of that. So, uh, But always taking guest suggestions, that's how you do it. Social media, contact me if you have a suggestion. You could possibly be a co-host. But as far as the next episode is concerned, you know what? I don't know. Because uh, I wasn't going to mention this because my brother Cameron likes to tease me. He's like, you, you say this too often that you're – because I had my uh, tooth knocked out in January. A chipped tooth from a car accident. Now it's my, one of my front teeth is removed. He's like, you mention it every podcast because you're so um, you know, concerned with your lisp. Nobody really notices it. Well, I notice it. Well, I just got a little update. I saw a dentist. Uh, it's going to be another four months before this thing heals enough for me to even get like a tooth. So I'm not really getting another front tooth until January. And I really say that because, A, I'm still a little self-conscious about the slight lisp that I have. Uh, also, I'm really not going gung-ho on interviews, which is what's amazing. Like, I'm not out there hitting the grindstone like I have in years past trying to book all these interviews because I just don't want my lisp to be all out there, I guess. I take them as I come. So all the interviews you've heard this year, all of them, has me been doing minimal work booking them. <laughs> which is pretty fucking great so maybe you can help me out uh, lisp or not so until the next episode of Appetite for Distortion uh, when will you see it the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy you'll see it I don't know as soon as the word no! No! Yeah! thanks to the lame ass security I'm going home